Welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. I am your host, Nick Wagner Sr. And every week, I interview guests that share career stories, ideas, and experiences to empower and inspire people to reach their full potential. If you enjoy the episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Uh, well, welcome everyone. Nick Wagner Sr. here. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Full Potential Podcast. We record the podcast live every Sunday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, we stream it, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and then I will take the uh, the audio of my fantastic conversation with Ryan and turn it into uh, the Full Potential Podcast, which will, which will show up on all major podcast platforms. So uh, if you're tuning in live, thank you for, for making time and joining us tonight. And then if you're listening to us uh on any any of the major podcast platforms we appreciate you listening so every every sunday night i find some awesome guests like ryan or others to discuss their career journey and uh, ryan and i have known each other for a good amount of time now so uh i i already i already knew i wanted ryan on the show it's just a matter of getting him scheduled because he is a uh, a very busy individual but ryan i want to say thanks for uh, making time and, and joining joining me tonight on the show absolutely nick uh thanks for having me and i know I feel you, you scheduled me in October back in February. So it, it was, well, I mean, between my schedule and yours, it's, it's a challenge, right? But uh, so the funny thing is Ryan actually has his own podcast. So I kind of flipped, flipped the script on him here and he's used to interviewing people. So hopefully he doesn't start interviewing me <laughs> during the podcast. But, but no, I appreciate it, Ryan, because I know you have a lot going on with your business and all your philanthropic activities. So why don't we just start with... Uh, you know, who is Ryan Keating? I always ask the, the, the kind of the opening question, how do you introduce yourself when you meet people for the first time? Uh, usually I say, hello, hi, my name's Ryan, or I see their name tag and, 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 and ask them uh, a question about what I can get off of a name tag business or, or something like that. But uh, part of a family business, a third generation insurance agent, um, and sometimes it's it's hard to introduce myself, and, and networking is always an interesting way of what can stick. Because, like you said, there there are so many things that I'm involved with too, and, and depends on the forum um, of what's going to resonate more. I've never enjoyed or thought going into networking events or being someone, hey, I'm Ryan, buy insurance from me, or so you know something like that, which could be or everyone has a car so everyone technically not everyone is i don't have a car actually um so so technically everyone you meet is a potential client um but it's not how i introduce myself and and, and moving back to connecticut which i guess we'll get into um the, the journey having a family business and, and being a part of that it was a different element versus I'm involved with XYZ corporation or company and, and we're a small business. So there's a, there's a different side of that as well. Uh, and, and other people that own businesses connect differently too than a normal other salesperson or employee right. level. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th I think you bring up a good point and, and we'll dive into all the different things that, that you do, which is, uh, I, I sometimes wonder if you sleep, but we'll we'll talk about that because you do you do 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 a lot obviously for your family business, but you also do a lot to give back to the community, which I think is fantastic. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But you you mentioned you moved back to Connecticut, you moved away, so we're going to go through your career journey too, because I want to kind of 
I, I love to have people highlight really pivotal points of their career on this show where, you know, you had to make a decision, right? You had to make a hard decision to do X, or, X Y, or Z. And and I always always talk about that because I want to hear your your logic and, you know, how you made that decision and who you talked to. Because I think a lot of people, other people can learn from the experiences individuals that I interview have, that, that have had on my show. So why don't we start with, you mentioned third generation insurance, uh, fam family owned insurance agency, which means that when you were little Ryan growing up, this business was what you knew, right? So this was, you know, this was the family business. So when you were growing up as a kid, Ryan, was was it always in your mind that you were going to end up working for the family business? Or were you the exact opposite? And you were like, I never want to work for the family business. Well, what was uh, what was that like growing up? Uh, definitely a mix. Um, I think I was, I was definitely grateful and it was nice to see my grandfather and dad working together, my grandmother, and my aunt, um, all worked together at one point. And as kids, we'd come in to the office and it, it was just a cool atmosphere, you know? I think. And you, and you remember that as a kid? I do. Um, so the office we're in now, well, 1992, we're in West Hartford center is one we located here. But when I was a kid, the office was, for, I guess I was born in 1987, so for, for five years of my life, it was in uh, on North Main Street, in uh, the big black building over there, right by Brace Road. So I kind of always, I remember a little bit of that, going to that office elevator, and that stuff. But most of my memories are from the office where now, and before computers became what they are now, and the mail. There's a lot of mail instead of email. So we'd, we'd, yeah. uh, my grandmother would give us an elastic with a magnet and we'd go pick up staples because they would have to unstaple so much mail and store it in files. And then once, probably 98 or so, 2000, is when the cloud really started coming into play and, and the computer software. Um, so we spent a lot of time, my brother, sister, and I scanning in documents and things like that, moving away from the paper files. So, so you you have you have memories, which and you mentioned positive memories of seeing seeing your your family work together. But you also worked there as a kid. It sounds like whether that was, you know, you know, just helping out as a little kid or actually getting paid later on. Yeah. So, well, none of that was you know, as a kid, my grandmother was smart. You know, hey, here, this is like a game, but really, it was something that no one wanted to do. <laughs> um, and then the the files was was helping out, and I think my my sister and brother might have done a little more than that than me and i think they were probably paid because i was also working in high school um at the golf course playing sports mowing lawns so i was already pretty active with a lot of so, stuff there so what your grandfather started the business yep. is that correct so you've you've grown up with a family of entrepreneurs has do you feel that that the entrepreneurial spirit is something that you've embraced as you've gone through your career or has it come in kind of fits and, and, and spurts? Like how's, how does, how has that worked? How's it played out? Uh, I, I think it's a huge part of me. Um, I, everything I do or not everything, but I'm always kind of looking at how can things be monetized or opportunities created from almost anything I do or 
conversations sometimes tend to go in that way, depending who I'm talking with. Um, and I think part of it is what makes sales exciting, but also the community side and being able to build and grow something that has had a legacy. Um, but when I was in Dallas, I started a business that uh, raised capital for and ended up not being as successful as a business could have been um, around doing tailgates for Cowboys games, which I was just watching uh, as a Giants fan. They, they lost in the last second here before, before our podcast tonight. Um, California, when I lived out there, I was doing a print media flyer um, that I kind of started called Ad Time and with the print shop I partnered with. So going around cold calling a bunch of businesses to sell advertising as my means of income and survival. Uh, now, so I want to I want to I want to pause you for a second. When so you're in high school, you're already doing some work for your family business. You're mowing lawns. You're you're working at the golf course. Was and I know you ended up going to the University of, of Tampa at one point. Was was your plan post high school to work for the family business, or was your plan always to go to college, or what 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 was that conversation like with your family? Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, cause I didn't finish college. I did not want to go to college. Um, and so I think there was a mix of semi being forced ish to go to college. It was, there was, I was on the oldest, my brother and sister. And I remember my dad saying it set a bad example to my brother and sister. If I did not go to college. Interesting. Um, and at the time I was, my brother and I were pretty successful mowing lawns that we pretty much had a mini business operating that could have, you know, I, I say this a lot. It's easier to give a kid a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars of college debt, but you go and ask for a $20,000 loan at 18. They're, they're not going to give it to you to start a business. Right. Um, which is flawed in ways. Um, but so I've always enjoyed the manual labor outdoors, things like that. So there was thoughts of, do you create a landscaping company? Do I've always known I can be and will be successful without a college degree that I think like the entrepreneurial side, knowing that creating opportunities is out there. Um, one thing that I learned, one of the jobs I had at one point, this guy used to always say, there's a million ways to make a million dollars. Yeah. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of it now. A million people are going to college, but there aren't a million jobs and opportunities for the college degrees and the trades are coming back into popularity and, and necessity. So when you, you mentioned that you, you went to school, but you didn't finish and you, it sounded like your parents really wanted you to go to school. What, I guess my, my, my big question for you is what ultimately made you decide to not finish school, right? Like what was the, was it, you just saw so much opportunity working, you know, starting a business and, and, and working, was it, you didn't like learning, you didn't like the format, like what was, because I think, I think what you said, right. I mean, you're seeing more and more businesses these days, you know, fortune 500 companies saying you don't need a college degree anymore. I mean, you can, you can, you, there's countless companies that are no longer requiring college degrees. And it, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon because a lot of people said for so long, you need a college degree 
to go work at you know this company or that company. A lot of them are now changing their minds on that. What was your reason for not finishing? Uh, part of it was brazenness, um, and and just being stubborn, um, trying and wanting to prove a point um, that you don't need college because so much was put on it in school, and I was never one that was crazy about school. Um, the structure of it, the and going back to Tampa, I, I was required to take a class on Turkey. And I failed because I didn't want to do the whirling dervish in front of 100 people. The, the uh, country, not the country, not the food, I'm assuming. Correct. Yes. Right. So, yeah. uh, and that was a required class as a freshman. And to me, I was, this is a waste. That was a waste of money to have to take a class on Turkey. And, you know, I, I probably wouldn't know what the whirling dervish was now, but it's all, it's a dance. That's like the dance of Turkey. Right. Uh, and our final was basically to do the dance in front of an audience. And I was like, this is so stupid that I, I said no and failed, um, trying to prove a point, but that point was only in my GPA. Uh, yeah. Um, and then there was a math class that I had the second highest grade in math. It's always come pretty easy to me, but she failed me to prove a point to me that you have to attend class, even though you're good at something. So, so I ended up with two F's my, my freshman, uh, fall semester, first semester. And that my GPA was, I think less than a point or a point something, right. one point something. And then the second semester, I needed to maintain above a get above a three to maintain a scholarship that they gave me. And then once I realized that wasn't going to happen, I just kind of gave up. Uh, and there's definitely some awkward tensions with my dad and I. So his his model was, if you're not in school, you can't live at home. So came home packed a bag of stuff and went back down to Tampa where I had uh, a friend network and lived down there and then started working in the kiosk business at the mall. Um, and then after a little while, I ended up coming home enrolling in classes at Capitol. So that brought me back to Connecticut then. And about that time, I was working with a couple other odd jobs here in town and my grandfather got sick and ended up passing away and so that's when I started working in the office again a bit when it was just my dad and aunt and pretty much needed someone in the office to answer phones or people came in while they were dealing with him in the hospital and after then I went to Maine for the summer came back working full-time and then realized in the middle of winter or so I missed the warm weather yeah. And if I don't leave now, I'm never going to leave. So I was probably 21, 22. And I flipped the coin between San Diego and Tampa. Knew no one in California, nothing about San Diego, except people talk about California all the time. And I figured it was like Tampa being similar geography on the map and sold my car, packed a bag and went out to San Diego. Now, um, uh... 
I love how you flipped the coin to decide where you were going to live. That sounds like a typical thing 21-year-olds do, right? Like, I mean, the thought of doing that at, at my age uh, makes makes me kind of chuckle. But and I guess that's what you do when, you, when you're young and don't have any responsibilities. What You mentioned your grandfather passed away, who I know it sounds like you had a good relationship with or, you know, he was an important person in your life. What was um, what was the impact on 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 you personally when that happened? Uh, it was interesting. So, so kind of towards the end of his the last year or so, he had st- stopped seeing us as much too. So, so he kind of was pushing, I think, away, knowing he wasn't doing well or or whatnot. But it was probably it was seeing kind of the effect on my dad. Yeah. Um, because they they were very close, and my dad had been working in one way or another with the business from when my grandfather started it. Um, and I know that was definitely a, a big impact, and it still affects him to this day. Um, but we, growing up, we, my grandparents used to host, I have uh, two sets of cousins. Um, and so they would have us all at their house for Christmas, Easter, those types of, uh, Thanksgiving, but that stopped at some point, probably beginning of high school or middle school. So it, it was different. It was weird. Um, they used to be the foundational gathering element for a family and that kind of stopped. And now my grandmother's still alive and she's been fairly independent but with covid she's been staying with my aunt um so we've been doing stuff with my aunt when uh trying to get together but uh, yeah i don't think people i don't think people realize ryan that the yeah there's always family dynamics in every family right i mean you know like between you know cousins and aunts and uncles and parents etc right but when you then take a, a family business and layer that on top of the, the general family, family dynamic. It makes it even that much more challenging because, you know, for a lot of people that listen to this, they don't own their own business. They're not entrepreneurs. Owning your own business is super, super stressful and doing it with family can be a challenge at times. So, and, I, and, I, and I will get into that too. Um, but I want, I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure we, we, you know, paid respect to your grandfather and, and mention that real quick, but let's, yeah. let's go well, back to you. Well, I'd say just even on that, I know. Yeah. And kind of going, my mom, was pretty big advocate for a while um, about not getting involved in the business. She, there, there was the relationship with my dad and grandfather at times. It's hard to separate that family and work right. mentality. And my, my grandfather was very all business in ways. Um, um, Irish immigrant and bullheaded, stubborn at times, but also really loved making money and was good at it but that had its effects on my dad and family in ways so um when i moved back here to get into the business i know my mom has gotten better at it but she was kind of resenting and trying to push me away from it but not now she's supportive and realized my sister's involved in the business now too so she she, she, has, to, she has to she has to be a cheerleader and not an opposed Right. So, so, so let's, we'll, we'll go back in time. We'll go back. You flip the coin. You decided to go to California. So at this point, you don't know anyone in California. You don't have, you don't have a college degree and you move across the country. Yeah. 
So, you know, for, for a lot of my listeners, that sounds terrifying for, for a lot of my listeners. They're like, wow, this sounds awesome. Right? Like what 21 year old wouldn't want to just, you know, move to California for, yeah. you know, without any responsibilities. Well, what was uh, the plan? Like, <laughs> what was your plan when you got out there? What happened? Uh, so I remember sitting at the half door and talking to one of my buddies about I'm moving to San Diego, this, and, and need a place to live. And I'm just going through Craigslist, responding to any room, you know, looking for roommates, room available posts and, and, uh, end up responding to one as a joke. That was, um, all female house and by San Diego state. So somehow they said live with them. They had one month left on their lease and didn't want to have to cover the extra rooms rent or something. So I moved into a house of nine girls at San, <laughs> at, at San Diego state. Um, and I didn't really have a plan. It was kind of, all right, I'll get out there. I'll have a place to live and figure it out. Um, with Craigslist, Craigslist, I used to joke, it's my best friend, Craig, last name list, uh, especially in California. I really made a lot of my life revolve through Craigslist, uh, places I lived. Uh, I would fly our cars for 100, 200 bucks, respond to one day just income generating activities that were available um, while applying for jobs. And I will definitely say in, in Dallas and there, it has been hard and it was very hard trying to get opportunities without a college degree. Um, yeah. It's, it's changed a lot today versus, I mean, I'll be 33 next month. So if I was, this is 10 years ago. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It has changed a lot. I think I think the perspective has changed quite a bit since then. Um, so, so I ended up getting a job at the Padres Stadium, slinging snow cones. Um, I wanted to then beer like the guys at the Red Sox games. So, so that kind of was one of my thoughts moving out there. I'm like, oh, professional sports I've always been attracted to, and I'll get a job with the Padres. And the season had. So if I moved out there. February, beginning of March. So the season was just starting and the only opportunity available with them was vending. And right. that ended up being a kind of feast or famine because they didn't always have the, the best crowds. Like this year, they finally made the playoffs the first time in a long time. So snow cones did well on hot days when it was <laughs> packed with kids and horrible on other days. Um, so sometimes I'd walk out making 50 bucks. Sometimes I'd walk out making 200. Um, so with that, I was doing other stuff and I started doing the magazine uh, print mailer that we had two of them printed. Um, and I was also working, doing odd jobs. I have a bit of a graphic design background from high school. So I was making menus or logos and flyers. So I'd make flyers and flyer cars for some businesses that I developed relationships with. So I basically, I was just hustling. Uh, and then I got involved with the kiosks again, selling e-cigarettes, um, when those are becoming popular and there's some decent money in that. And then life took me to the Bay area where I ended up working with the giants and athletics doing vending as well. And the giants won the world series that year in 2014, which is pretty cool to be a part of that. Um, worked with the startup at the time as well, and then also got involved with the kiosks again up in the Bay Area doing some sales training. Um, 
for a couple different locations they had. And then life took me back to Connecticut. My brother was moving to Tahoe, so I came home for Christmas to drive across country with him. And similar, go with the flow, uh, stopped in Utah to visit a friend. I was going back to San Diego, enrolled in the Golf Academy of America that was going to be paid for by financial aid, which I was like, I might as well capitalize on the system. Yeah. Uh, and it was a 16 month or 14 month program that I would become a really good golfer and learn about the golf industry. And we're at the ski lodge. One of my friends, girlfriends goes, we just fired someone I can get you their job. And I was like, okay, whatever. Next thing you know, I'm working at the ski lodge in the kitchen and, uh, never really skied in my life. So I learned how to ski and learned how to cook. And then, uh, that took me to Montana where I kept cooking. Um, so you didn't, you didn't do the golf Academy. Nope. So, uh, so I, I, I pushed it. I delayed it to September or so, or, and took this Montana opportunity, uh, to keep cooking and go get to live on Flathead Lake. And it was a cherry orchard. Um, the woman who owned the cherry orchard owned an insurance company in Dallas and, that's what brought me to, to Texas and the golf Academy was, was done. Uh, so she did employee benefits and worked with her for a year or so. She had about a dozen clients and had a great setup. So I learned a lot just through that small business, um, insurance, seeing, seeing a different side of insurance than the property casualty side that, that I grew up around. Right. Um, and then from there worked on a contract job with the company moving from Atlanta to Dallas, um, my medical company. Then I started my tailgate company, bus to gate around curated events, uh, Cowboys tailgates was the foundational piece of it that didn't work out. So I got back into the employee benefit space and after a couple months, I didn't see an ideal long-term fit there. I didn't, it didn't have the culture that I saw myself being at for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. Um, so that's what put kind of putting, working with my dad and the family business on the table as well as well as looking at other jobs. And it was a lot. I was researching Connecticut, knowing Hartford and the economy and, and all the, the negative stuff. And then that's how you and I bonded about the Connecticut comeback. And there's always such a negative impression and news around Connecticut, but what are the positives and trying to find yeah. that. And, and then pretty much someone told me, uh, if I never came back and worked in the business or gave the opportunity, what I asked myself, what if, and I remember I kind of like paused, we're having a drink or something. And he's like, you have to go back. So, so let me, I want to stop you there because I want to, I want to ask you this question before we get into you making the decision to come back to Connecticut, to come, come to the family business. So you, you, you just mentioned, I think you just rattled off four or five States you lived in, <laughs> in a, in a, in a few years, right? Yeah. You did a variety of jobs, all involving people, sales, you know, entrepreneurial spirit, right? I think for some people, Ryan, this sounds exhausting. You know, I mean, in, in all serious, right? I mean, it 
you you mentioned before you were hustling, right? I mean, it, it you know, I think some people listen to your story and they're like, my gosh, like this didn't sound easy. But, but what I want to focus on is what did you learn from all of this, right? I mean, you know, I know you're the type of person that can literally talk to anyone and meet, you know, you have no problem meeting people and, and you're just like a, a very personable individual, uh, which I think obviously helped you with this journey. But what did you learn from, you know, the, the multiple states you lived in, the multiple jobs you did, the multiple startups? What, what was the, what was the big takeaway from all that? Uh, life's, life's hard. Uh, um, I mean, I learned definitely, I feel more through all of those experiences than I would have in college. Um, and if you look at the trajectory in the past, if I had done the traditional college route, this interned, I would have never been able to have those experiences I had of living life and, and taking opportunities. So that's probably one of the biggest things I learned is that there's always opportunity. You create it. Um, and being able to say yes at the right time, you never know what that's going to lead to. Um, but I definitely, so even, even though life was hard, you felt it was the right, it was the right path for you. You learned from it and you actually, you, you appreciated the journey. I did. And, and, and I just wrote down, I like to take notes when I talk and stuff. Um, no, it's totally cool. Helping is something else. So, so I think the, the kindness and, and what we talked before you, the philanthropy stuff and why do I give back and the kind of just so many people help me yeah. along this journey, just in little ways that I think that's part of why I have gotten so philanthropically involved or try to do things that I think will help others. Um, like when I was starting the company in Dallas, uh, um, people love the entrepreneurial journey and experience. And there's a few people I can think of that would, spend hours and time with me to go through pitch decks and help craft and align what I was doing. Um, and just friends and people I met on a whim or through Craigslist living with people that give you opportunities. Um, and a lot of the people who would give me a couple hundred bucks to make a flyer, flyer cars for them, they were always trying to help. You know, they so saw I want to expand on that before we go back to your big decision to move back to your home state and work with your parent, your, your, your father. I want to talk about mentorship real quick. Did yep. you, did you have, would you, would you say that you had formal mentors throughout this journey or did you not maybe call them mentors, but looking back, right. And, and reflecting realized many of them were mentors. What, what was that like? So I'd say it's, it's more looking back and taking I feel I've always, when I've worked for someone or I've always kind of looked as working with them and, and yes, I was an employee or paid, but I would always kind of try to look at the bigger picture. And, and I guess that's the entrepreneurial instinct in me of how does this work and that. Um, but the gentleman who ran the vending company in San Diego also in a couple barbershop franchises, um, John Royce and, and I definitely look up to him as a mentor, as a entrepreneur and just a good guy that I could have a lot of life conversation. We him and I still keep, keep in touch. Um, That's here awesome. And there. He, he actually just moved to Cape Cod. So now he's on, on the East coast and we've been talking about getting together. Um, 
And then Dallas, the woman who in the chair, which her name is Marsha Zimmerman. She was a great influence in me and, and mentor that I had just in life too. Um, <clears throat> so those are definitely two big ones. And then there was another gentleman in Dallas who was a sales coach um, that I worked with that kind of took on a mentorship role. And one of the other gentlemen that invested in my startup, him and his wife, and they gave me a lot of life lessons too. Uh, but I just kind of look at people I meet and see how they are successful and try to take away a lot from that. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like you're always learning from the experiences you have or the people that you work with or the people that, you know, as you mentioned, uh, work, work for, and you know, that whole idea of being a lifelong learner, even though, right. You said earlier, school is not your thing. You're still a lifelong learner. You just learn a different way. Correct. And I still, you know, education comes in different forms. Just for me, it wasn't best being lectured or having a book. Yeah. And it was more learned by doing. Um, and insurance, though, I've gotten certifications. I got my CIC certified insurance counselor, which was a progressive process. And there's some other ones I'm looking at, like certified risk manager. Um, and though that's constantly learning, too. Absolutely. But now, but now it's around your field and trade and specialized specific, which, and part of me, I want to get a master's degree without getting the undergraduate. Uh, I want to, I want to circumvent that system um, and get a, um, possibly around entrepreneurship or a, a business based, uh, probably the executive MBA would be what I would focus on doing. Um, so I, I do think there is value in school. It's just how you utilize it and when and what you utilize it for. So for me right now, turning 33, I would rather go get educated from a university or college versus at 18. Well, I mean, I think, I think clearly there's been a lot of life experiences that have probably brought you to that point. And, you know, I think uh, just, you know, you, you've probably, right. We, we, I, and I've always said this, right. And we're both guys, so I feel like I can say this. We're not really the that mature at eighteen, right? So it kind of takes a little bit of time for us to uh, grow up, if you will. So, so no, I, I totally get that. But let, let's 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 go back to this big decision. So, you're you're contemplating leaving Dallas, going back to Connecticut, where, where you're from, where you grew up, to work with your father and your family in the family business. How did how did you end up ultimately making that decision? Was it I'm go I'm going to guess it wasn't flipping a coin this time. No, so walk me through this process. Sometimes I wish I did though. No. Um, but th there were a few things. I, there was a girl I was dating at the time that I saw long term potential with, and there was so the factor one of the childhood element. West Hartford is a great place for a family. Would have that been an option? Who knows? But coming back would have given one area of that. Um, and I guess also looking at Dave, there, there was a bit of a, a, a safety feeling to it too, knowing I've been pushing and trying and creating all these opportunities, but it's still been very tiresome. And in and, and the business failure took on a good amount of debt. Yeah. Uh, and contractual debt. So I kind of, moved back here and I was on some debt payment structures from contracts I signed that 
I couldn't declare bankruptcy. Um, they weren't that much. You know, it was probably about fifty thousand dollars of contractual debt um, that was able to settle a little bit lower and figure that out. But it, it even at that time, four years ago, there was some the college degree stuff did come into play in ways. Um, so, so people, there is value in opportunity from your college degree, and I, I think not that this was a, a safe, but the biggest thing is answering the what if and trying to build and grow and creating something that has had 50 years of success and how do you make it bigger? And when I moved back, so we do about $5 million of premium and I sold in five, five years, why can't we be at $15 million of premium? So to grow three times in five years, my dad was kind of like, well, We've been around for 50 years and we're only at five. How would we do it in three? And it's not how it's, you know, or if there's always a way. Yeah. Um, so seeing that opportunity to, to do that was a big reason. Um, I was and still in ways of nervous about Connecticut's tax burdens and, and how that's going to affect us as we get older. And, you know, it's our generations that's going to have to be footing the debt of the state. So being able to help create energy and build around Connecticut. So one thought, yeah, you know, Connecticut's already as bad as it was or as low as it was, it can only get better was one thought. So being a part of that growth and resurgence has been something that's inspired me and given me insight. But uh, yeah, I mean, answering the what if, when, when the, this guy who's involved in a family business and that kind of said that that was what pushed me over the edge of coming back. Now, when, when you decided to come back, cause you mentioned you have siblings Were any of your siblings involved in the businesses at this time or just, uh, or, or were you the only one considering it? Um, it was, it was just me. My, my sister is probably going on a year in the business now. Um, maybe eight months or so. And at the time, she, she's been in the retail management world for a while. Um, and I don't think this was really a thought for her at the time. And I know my brother, he's in Idaho right now. He was in Utah before that for a while. He's joked about it or kicked around the idea. And I know, my, my, but for him, he loves the outdoors and sitting at a desk or things like that. He could right. like it. He could not. Uh, but right now I know he's enjoying his career path. Right. I think, I mean, and, and you, you know, you tried to start multiple businesses and you, and you know, you know how hard it is. I think, I think, you know, kudos to your grandfather and your father and now you and your sister, because having a business be around for over 50 years is not a, it's not an easy thing to do. I, I think a lot of people don't, they have never been a small business owner or an entrepreneur really understand that's a long time. It is. And um, what's interesting and nice about insurance is it is a necessity. You need it by law. So it's not really going anywhere. It's changing and adapting. And the money in it is, and, and that's one thing that's hard. I, you know, sometimes I wish I sold widgets or pens and you had tangible results of demand or this, but insurance has changed into the you know commodity or this there's just so much noise 
around it and saving money and in the perception of it ensure you know you're not buying something that's going to make you happy per se until yeah. you until you need it and when you need insurance it's at a time of loss so a bad situation happened to use your insurance yeah, no, no, yeah it, 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 you know it, it is an interesting point i mean and i know just to kind of share with the audience that you obviously do you mentioned earlier you do car insurance you do homeowners insurance you do property and casualty for for businesses so yeah you're you're basically selling peace of mind to people yes and uh when i left the first time too i, I kind of i enjoy working with businesses and the business insurance side because I joke, I didn't want to deal with Sally. I backed into my garage. Is it a home or a car claim? Um, <laughs> it, it, there's, there's more nuances too. So you're dealing with frustrated people. So you're having, a, it, it's, it's the customer service and experience I wear is when you get into the business insurance side, there's still the cost factor, but ideally a business is growing and you can add other value and insights outside of just insurance, um, finding good partners to work with. Uh, and so you've been, oh, sorry, you've been back for what, four years now, you said? Yep. And how has, cause I want, I want to make sure we dive into this. How has the, how has it been working with your family? Because you know, that, that, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think about a small business, they think, well, I could do it on my own. I could pick a partner, right? That maybe a friend or, or someone they meet, or you do it with family. And there's pros and cons to all of those. What, how has it been working with the family? Uh, should I go change my tea for some whiskey? <laughs> uh, there's, it's been hard and it's been great. Um, I know it's been, I mean, one thing that's been exciting is definitely seeing my sister grow into more outgoing of a person mm -hmm. um and, and she's she's shy definitely and where i'm i'll go say hi to anything or attend an event <laughs> um and i remember her first networking event that i took her to and she had to stand up do that 30 second commercial stuff and she just turned bright red in the face and was extremely nervous and now she's so much more comfortable doing that so that's been fun to see um then my, my dad and I's relationship is, is definitely interesting. So it's what's hard for me is it's so individualized, unfortunately, too. Um, like he's in his own world doing his stuff. I'm in my own world doing my stuff. And then my sister's kind of stuck in her own world figuring out what to do. And then we have a whole other team in Southington that operate on their own. Um, so there's not that corporate culture or culture that is something I'd like to build and create too. So it, it really is literally just my dad, sister and I in the office and it, it gets interesting at times. You know, my, my mean, mom's, my mom sends me a text at eight 30. Oh, I just made pasta. Do you want to come over for dinner? I'm like, maybe it's only two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I just saw my dad and sister all day too. So you're not really getting away. Right. Right. No, no, absolutely. Uh, how, I want to I want to ask this question because I think I think it's I think it's really important. As you mentioned that you wanted to come back and and you had all these goals for the business, right? So four years ago, you were like, I want to I want to you know increase you know our revenue for premiums. Like you had other ideas for the business. Clearly, you know your your father realizes you're 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 an entrepreneur at heart, right? And you're gonna have ideas that he probably never thought of. How has that innovative spirit you have 
been bringing that to the business? Uh, it's the same similar thing of you get a lot of no's in life. And if you stop, you're never going to get to the yes or get a yes. Um, and some of it's been consistently asking and pushing and pushing. Some of it has been just doing and, mm-hmm. and implement dealing with the repercussions or elements after. Um, but it's, that's been a challenging part of my vision, his vision, his success of, like you said, 50 years, it's been hard to stay in business that long for businesses and all the foundational things he knows that have made him successful and our business successful to throw him out the window or to just take drastic changes. It's a lot. So yeah, that's hard. That's hard. um, That's that's hard to kind of rationalize. And and it's taken me a little while to realize that too. Um, But I, I, as I got to talk and meet with more insurance owners in the business, um, it's helped add a different perspective too. Um, but so it's still a work in progress. Yeah, no, I think that, and, I think that's uh, fair. The other side is Connecticut is a different market than a Texas, a California states where there's a population growth. Um, we're an old state. Our average population age is older than other places. And how do you market and sell to that clientele? Um, and, and it's a very loyal state too. So people have, and we're grateful that we have clients that have been with us for 50 years or generationally through their family too. So there's a lot of other independent agencies that have the same type of clients. Got it. Um, Okay. So that's been hard on me of, well, everyone could be a client. Why isn't everyone a client? And how do we get the right clients or how do we get people that want to be a part of and respect what we're doing, which kind of also goes to the philanthropy or community stuff. It's just ways of giving back and getting a different side of myself, the business than insurance. Yeah. So that was a great, that was a great pivot. And I was, I was about to ask that question because I want to, I wanted to specifically ask, I think you've given us a lot of great, a lot of great insight into what it's like working with your family at a family run business, which I think is great. You were a, I, I, I mentioned to my wife, I was interviewing a philanthropist um, for for the podcast, and because you do a lot, right? Whether you uh, mean to or realize, you do a lot from from uh, volunteering and a giving back perspective. So I, I have a couple questions on this, and and you just mentioned one of the reasons that you, you want. Obviously, you do all this with the business in mind, right? To get you know to kind of get the Keating agency name out there. But well, so so I would say kind of what, so one of the best things is is the business gives me the opportunity to use the business to support fund doing these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. Um, and that that's probably the, one of the bigger takes away because I think it's important. I know my dad wasn't able to do things like that when he was in my position. Um, and, and that he's allowed me to do that and kind of be the face brand of that has, has definitely been something that not taken lightly. No, and I know, and I know you love it. So I, one of my questions for you, Ryan, is was this 
philanthropic desire of yours something that you had growing up that you learned from watching someone else or has it kind of evolved throughout your 33 years on the planet like where did where did you where did you get this philanthropic itch from it, it definitely evolved um and as a kid I mean one of the first I remember one of my friends families would do meals on wheels okay and if we had a sleepover on the weekend part of the requirement was having to like help deliver food the next morning or something with them. Um, so that was probably my foundational volunteering or giving back experience. Um, and then when I moved to San Diego, cause I was using Craigslist so much, I would see these volunteer opportunities at uh, different events. And this as a way to attend the event and meet people because I knew no one. So, so that, that was really where I started getting involved and seeing on a larger scale of everything that goes into different nonprofits or I also had no money, so I couldn't donate. So I donated my time. Um, and then in Dallas, I got involved in a kind of my first board committee for a, a large million dollar fundraiser every year. And so that opened up a whole new experience of seeing kind of how something around an event creates an annual how something with one event can be involved all year mm -hmm. so, so that that was something i've kind of used that experience to the the finest hours greater hartford gives back events that i do here which my friend rob and i you know rob zalanka right right um yeah so we kind of we co-founded that um and then the podcast you know, I guess it's not, it's a free podcast and don't charge people to be on it like this. So, you know, I guess that's philanthropic. Um, just giving time. No, I mean, it, it, I think you, you bring up a great point that being, being philanthropic and, and volunteering is not necessarily just about giving money. I think, I think that's a common misconception that people think you have to give money to, 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 do, to donate. Right. And, and you just, you, I think shared when you didn't have any money, you gave time, which I think is fantastic. So I think that I think that's a great example. And so you, you just mentioned two things. And we'll, what we'll do, Ryan, just so the audience knows, we'll link to your LinkedIn profile in the show description so people can get in touch with you. We'll link to the Keating Agency if people want to get in touch with your, your business. And we'll absolutely link to some of your philanthropic activities, including Finest Hours. Uh, another thing that you did was you were the founder of uh, flow right so future yep. leaders of, of west hartford which is a a professional like a professional um like a young professional group for the west hartford connecticut and you know you you're so nonchalant about like yeah I, I started this and i started that and i did this and i think if you actually add it all up ryan it's an immense amount of people's lives that you've touched using philanthropy and to your point you, you know your your family business has given you this platform to be able to do all this and i love what you said earlier in the show when you do these events and when you introduce yourself to people you're not like hi i'm ryan do you want to buy insurance from me right like that that's not who you are you're people eventually find out what you do right and and maybe you end up getting business from this but you're not you're not leading with i'm doing this to get business so I think I think it just shows I, I think yeah. it just shows the power of philanthropy and and all the good that you can do with it. Yeah, and, and well, that I forgot even about like the LinkedIn local. Back yeah, 
you know, we're not doing those because of COVID right now, but yeah, you, you did a couple of those too. Yeah. The first one had over 200 people, um, or so. And that was a free event that, you know, it probably cost me $1,500 to put on and nowhere did I really push or put heating agency out there. And I remember someone kind of told me, you're only doing this stuff for business. I'm like, no, I'm doing it because I'm able to use the business to help support that. But it's not, I'm not, not out there pushing by insurance. It's, it's, it's a value add, I feel. And then the other, the, the, the leadership academy that you've helped us with too. I mean, that got involved with putting that, helping kind of get that together. And that's, that got affected from in-person with COVID. And we've been having fairly successful now virtual elements, but that's another fun thing. So I, I guess I like event-based so, so I'll ask you this for people that, that are listening that maybe aren't doing a lot with philanthropy and, and aren't doing a lot from a giving back perspective. What, what would you say to someone as far as the benefits you've, you've personally felt from doing it? Like what, what, what would you share? Uh, so, so, so with the flow, what's, what's nice with that. It's nice to see when that got started as an idea. And I, there was a lot of time in the beginning um, of getting a board together. My goal with that was to have a board and have a succession plan in place and empower other people to make decisions and choices. And it's done that where basically was self-sufficient that I could step away and it kept building and building um, and had some pretty good success quickly. Um, and I, I like seeing... I like seeing things successful. I think when you create and help build something or if you're involved, like going back to the large fundraising event or being involved with different parts of organizations like that, having a successful event or knowing all the work that goes into attending. When you attend other events, um, that's nice. But then when you actually are volunteering and depending on the cause, uh, the first T was an organization that I used to coach in Dallas with and kids that might never have a chance to swing a golf club. You'd be guiding them or helping them. And I remember one kid made a putt and started like twerking and, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, uh, no, you don't do that. And all the other kids started doing it. Um, yeah. like you can't change that. That memory is always going to be there. So, um, so just the, the impact you've had on people has, 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 has obviously um, been something that you've really enjoyed. And I think the other thing you mentioned earlier was for a lot of people out there, volunteering and, and philanthropy is a great way to meet people if, you, if you're in a city where you, or a state where you don't know anyone. So I think that's another great point. Um, uh, yeah, and so one thing, and then fundraising. So like I've done a couple of the golf thing. I did 100 holes in one day last month, beginning of September, and had to fundraise, I think $1,500 or so raised and knowing, you know, the experience is great. Like, Oh, you got to golf, but that money goes to people in need. Right. And and being able to help drive that. So it's not coming out of my pocket or this, but it's bringing other people exposure to different things too. No, I love that. So I want to say thank you so much for, for joining, uh, you know, and being on the full potential podcast and sharing all your experiences, Ryan. I think you've had, I think you have a very unique career journey, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. And I love just how 
no matter what you've done, you've always embraced your entrepreneurial spirit and your innovative spirit, which I love. So I always ask my guests the same question to close. What is the one piece of advice that you would share with my audience that's helped you reach your full potential? So what has helped Ryan be successful throughout your career? Uh, well, I think my potential is still being tapped. Uh, but one foot in front of the other. I mean, I have momentum. If you stop and go idle, not it, bad things happen. Not bad things, but when you keep momentum, you keep going forward and pushing forward, you create opportunity and success. So that, that one foot in front of the other and just keep moving. Um, you know, so one thing doesn't work or an opportunity doesn't work. There's always another one. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that, that's so simple, but it makes so much sense. And I, and I think it ties back to something you said earlier in, in the, in the show where you've been told no countless times, but that's never stopped you from coming up with another idea or another ask or another initiative where you might end up getting a yes. And I think, I think that, you know, I think both of those ideas tie together. Yes. Yeah. So, well, awesome. Thank Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you making time. Uh, fantastic advice. I think some people are definitely going to learn from your experiences and hopefully we get some people more interested in their, you know, doing philanthropic activities because of what you've done. And again, we'll, we'll get all your contact information in the show description. If anyone wants to connect with you or the Keating agency and for everyone listening, you can uh, check out all of my podcasts on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Anchor, Spotify. And then we also have all the shows with video. So if you, if you want to see me and Ryan chat, not just listen to it. So you can watch all the all the shows on YouTube. And uh, we hope to hear you hear from you soon. And uh, Ryan, thank you so much and be well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and be well.